Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at the Art of Charm, we may not have all the answers, but we certainly have some of the questions. Judging by this Fan Mail Friday inbox, there's plenty of questions coming from you all as well. I'm looking forward to answering some of these. A lot of great stuff in there. Of course, one real quick announcement. If you are sending email to Friday at theartofcharm.com, we get a lot of it there. I love seeing what you guys are writing. If you can give us enough detail, but not seven pages of detail, that's super helpful. And... If you don't send seven reminders in seven days for me to see it, that also helps because I just have to scroll up and see it. There's a lot there. I will get to you if I can, but if it's time sensitive, maybe not the right inbox to do it. But I love hearing from you. Jason and I are literally up late. Well, we're drinking, but we're enjoying it, <laughs> and we decided to record. That's the nerd level of nerd you're dealing with here. We are up late drinking, and we decided let's answer some fan mail. So I think we should. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that. How's that? How's that? Is that fair? <laughs> Don't pat yourself too hard; you might fall over. Yeah, yeah. At this point, that is very possible. All right, let's cut to it. Hey, Jordan, I quit drinking when I was 20. Ah, oh, very timely question. Uh, now I'm 22, thanks to the program of AA. My life has made many changes for the better because of it, and I have become an overall happier person. I also have a wonderful girlfriend of over a year now, and we are still very much in love. Now I'm not emailing you to brag, I'm just setting the stage. Also, she currently lives in LA, and I live in Orange County, which is about a one to two hour drive from each other, and we both work, so we only see each other on the weekends. While she's happy that I'm sober, it occasionally... Oh, that's ironic. That's <laughs> ironic. Just keep going. <laughs> While she's happy that I'm sober, it occasionally strains our relationship. On weekends, she wants to go out to bars and clubs with our friends, which is a much more fun activity for her than it is for me. Being 22, I understand that this is what people our age want to do on their weekends, but while it's a stress release for them, it winds me up more. Hmm. What makes it worse is that I find myself getting frustrated with her or acting like a martyr when we go out, but noticing this action hasn't been enough to stop me from doing it. I love her very much, and when we discuss the problem, I see both sides equally. One, she's 22, and just because I'm sober, it doesn't mean that she will be. Not that I want her to quit drinking, she doesn't have a problem with it like I did. She enjoys the social act of going out to bars and clubbing with friends, and it's her right to enjoy herself. Well, I can go out and be around people drinking without feeling a strain on my sobriety, it's not my ideal environment. At the end of a long week, the last thing I want to do is go to an unnecessarily loud venue and quote-unquote try to have fun until we leave. 
As a person in sobriety, it just isn't as fun for me to be around large groups of drunk people. We've proposed alternatives, such as going to comedy clubs or concerts, so we aren't in a setting that focuses just on alcohol. But I'm unsure if we'll be able to convince our friends, and also I don't want to conform everyone's plans to my preferences. Is this a problem of my perspective, and do you have some advice on how we can try to find a solution to this? I love her very much, and I'm willing to do whatever I can to make this work. Sorry for the long email. I started listening to your podcast recently, and I haven't looked back since. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Sincerely, the non-alcoholic boyfriend. So my opinion is that you're not doing anything wrong here. And I understand I've got a lot of friends in AA as well. And I understand that some people are perfectly happy going to bars and hanging out and ordering one of the finest club sodas they have on offer. And other people are thinking, what the hell am I doing here? This is terrible. And still others really shouldn't be there. At this point, I'm actually quite proud of you for not conforming. I think it's great. You know what is good for you. You know what's not good for you. She's also, though, not doing anything wrong here, and I think that's the key. She's not bad, and you're not saying this, and I get that. She's not bad because she's drinking. You're not bad because you're not drinking. There's no, there's no fault here. I think alternative activities is a good idea. I understand it might be tough to convince the friends, and I think that it's fair for her to say, no, I want to hang out with everybody. They're going out to get drinks. You can hang there for a bit, right? It's it's called compromise. It's part of relationships, and you, you can maybe leave earlier. If she doesn't want to leave and she wants to hang out, th- that's fine. It's a bummer for her because you leave early, but it's fair for you. You can go back to her place. You can read. You can hang out more with the friends and her during the day as well. Unless these people only go out and drink at night, which in which case there's a values mismatch there probably. But you both need to compromise here if you're going to make it work. I'm wondering what sober people think of this one. I know we have a lot of sober listeners here in the AOC family, some people who are comfortable going to bars, others that are not. And I know a lot of people who come through AOC boot camp. We do a lot of field work. We go to bars and clubs. And there's a lot of sober guys that come through AOC boot camp, and they just go, all right, well, I'm not going to drink when we go out. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it, you know, it's part of the drill, part of the exercise. It might be There might be a happy medium here. Like, okay, everybody wants to go out and drink. But maybe we can go to a place where it's not so loud I can't have a conversation. Maybe we go to a place like an Irish pub where we can talk and everybody's drinking except for me. <laughs> what Irish pub have you been to, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, you yeah. go to a bar and have a conversation because I'm sort of picturing him going to some place with EDM so loud that his eardrums are hurting. And he's like, that sucked because everybody was blew out and I was just walking around by myself yeah. or walking around being sober, drove everybody home like a punk. <laughs> I could see why that would suck. Right. Um, Otherwise, I think there's compromise both in the activities that you do and even in the venues that you choose. I don't think it's just, hey, sometimes people want to drink and some people don't. If you know you can't trust yourself around alcohol at bars and clubs, now you've got a different issue. It's a medical issue. Yeah. It sounds like he doesn't have that problem. He sounds like he's okay with it. Yeah, exactly. Which is which makes this a lot easier. You know, if, if she drinks and you can't even be around it, you literally have to isolate yourself. But that's not what we're looking at here. Yeah, and since you're hanging out on the weekends, maybe do one weekend on, one weekend off, you know, like Jordan said, compromise and do, you know, one weekend at the club, one weekend going to play putt-putt. Who the hell knows? Yeah, or even just one day on, one day off. Yeah. But it's it's really not the end of the world. There's plenty of couples where some people, you know, one partner's sober, the other person is not. It does work. It's not going to be a deal breaker. I understand you love your significant other, your girlfriend, and I think it's a very solvable problem, yeah. even though right now 
it might not seem that way. As long as, and I'm going to throw this caveat in there, as long as she understands her sobriety. If it's like, if it's kind of like, oh, she doesn't quite get it, you know, she thinks it's okay that I can have a little bit, or there's peer pressure, or she doesn't think it's a big deal, now you've got a communication issue. But it sounds like maybe she just enjoys hanging out with the group of friends and they like to go drinking and nobody's really thinking about you, right? And your needs. All right, next up. Dear Jordan and Jason, my family moved to Canada from South Korea three years ago, and I'm now a senior student in high school. This may sound unbelievable, but it's true. Having spent three years here in this school, I do not have any friends, not even one. The only friends I have are some Koreans I met outside the school. And by the way, I'm the only Korean in this school. At first, I tried so hard to make friends, but I was having communication problems because I didn't know much English back then. Now I am a much better English speaker, but still find it hard to make friends. People already have their own friend circles, and it's so hard for me to join their groups. About 70% of students here are locals, and the rest are new immigrants like I am. But even the new immigrants have their own circles, for example, Filipino circles or Vietnamese circles. I try to make friends by talking to people sitting around me in class, but the problem is I don't usually have things to say. When they talk about personal stuff, and I would think about what to comment on, And by the time I think of something to say, they've already moved off the topic. And other times, I'm just too afraid to say anything because I'm not even friends with them. And what would they think? Like, I'm weird listening to their conversation? And what if they don't like me? I can tell some girls are definitely not so friendly. The only time they would talk to me is when they need my help on homework since I'm a good student. But after they get their answers from me, they would just walk away and go back to the conversation with their friends. Sometimes when I try to make conversation with them on something other than that, they seem to be not so interested and it becomes awkward. Sometimes I don't even say a word during the entire school day because no one would talk to me and I'm too tired to talk to them. This is just so depressing. It was not like this when I was in Korea. I was not so popular, but I talked to people and had a few good friends. I never felt lonely in Korea. Every time when I go into a new class, I would try to sit beside those people who seem friendly and those who work hard like me, but those people usually have a lot of friends and are already surrounded by people. This semester, unfortunately, I find that people who sit around me are all boys, and many of them are new immigrants who don't speak English. I really don't want to be like this anymore. I need friends I can talk to and hang out with. Also, I do not want people to think I'm weird because I'm always alone. Please help me and give me all the advice you guys have. Thank you so much for taking your time and reading this. Mau Mau. Yeah, so this one made me kind of like want to cry a little bit. Is that normal? Um, Absolutely, man. This is a terrible story. Yeah, it it really is because it doesn't pull anything for me out of my own past other than the the feeling. Like I, I'm not an immigrant or whatever, so I can't identify with that exact thing. I can only imagine that it's worse for her because I know what it's like to be in school and th- or in any social situation and think, oh, I'm being weird, oh, I'm listening, oh, I'm lonely. I'm, I remember traveling to other countries, even as an adult, and before I had any of these skills, and I was having some trouble making friends, and I remember like listening to strangers' conversations in cafes, and one time I tried to speak to this French group of people, because I figured maybe they spoke English, and I remember they thought I was some kind of scammer, because I was oh, trying wow. to talk to them. Yeah, it was like evening, shady area. And I was like, oh, hey, are you guys here on vacation? And the girls were like, oh, yeah, we are. Where are you from? And I was like, America. And then one of them was like, no, 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 no. Don't talk to that guy. And I don't I don't speak French, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, he looks dangerous or this could be dangerous. <laughs> and I was just. You are a shifty cat. 
<laughs> I just never felt crappier in my life. And to go to school in a situation like that is just so sad. And I know it sounds like she's young. I mean, she's probably 15. Yeah, I mean, senior in high school. And, you know, I can relate to this because I changed schools a lot. And I moved from my uh, high school or junior high. I was in junior high school as a senior. But when I moved to Illinois, I became like a freshman. So I went from the top of the totem pole to the lowest rung in one week. And I was a punk rock skateboarder surfer dude down in Virginia. And then I moved to Illinois where there are no people like that. And I didn't talk to anybody for months until I finally found some people to talk to. I found like the one crazy kid off in the court. It was very breakfast clubby back then. But I, I totally understand where she's coming from on this. And it is a terrible feeling. And it's really hard. Yeah, it's uh, it's just this is this is awful. So I, I definitely want to help. Look, at the risk of sounding trite slash predictable or cliche, activity groups might be where it's at for you. Uh, whether or not they're related with school, pro- preferably not related with school. Well, actually, I don't know. Probably both. Some that are related with school so that your friends from those groups carry over to school days and some that aren't so that you can reinvent yourself. And what I mean by reinvent yourself is, look, you speak English now. It doesn't sound like you're shy. It sounds like you're a little shy, but you're shy because of your circumstances, not maybe because of your nature per se, or at least not extremely introverted. So activity groups will help you with that. And also, you don't have to talk the whole time in an activity group because you're doing an activity. So I would look for something like that. And I mean anything from a sport to friggin' crafting of some kind. I would I would say go to arts you know, go to the arts yeah. route because everybody's creating something and then you have to talk to each other when you do critiques and things like that. I got into photography and that's what really saved me in high school is because then I got to talk to the other photographers and, you know, we would bring in our work and everybody would talk about it. And that became my little club. And I didn't know anybody either. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And the, the other thing is that arts groups are it's it's a strange setup. Right. And correct me where I'm wrong, because I'm the least artistic person in the world here, Jason. But <laughs> it seems like arts groups are both merit-based in that you can appreciate someone's work whether or not you are, have talked to them or know them, but also that since the work is subjective, really you can create anything and somebody's going to find an appreciation for it. If exactly. You, if, so you can be the shy Korean girl and it's fine because you might be an awesome artist and people will like you based on that, just on your contribution to the group. If you're not artistic, whatever, sports, crafting, making stuff, learning about anything, you could take a foreign language. It doesn't really matter. Um, and I'm going to float this out there, and it may be not your favorite suggestion, certainly not the favorite suggestion of your parents, but you could switch schools. And the reason I'm suggesting this is not because you're going to solve the problem automatically wherever you go, there you are, for example, but because if you switch schools You've got all of these different you know what American culture is like or Canadian culture now. You've got you've got your grip on English. Nobody at the new place is going to know that you're the quiet immigrant girl who never talks. Like you can really reinvent yourself and trust me, I've done this. I moved to other countries and even though at the time I moved there maybe I was quiet or maybe I was this that or the other thing. I just decided to say to hell with that change my personality to something that's more comfortable, not faking it, literally just doing what I'm comfortable with. And people went, okay, I guess this was this. That's what this American guy's like. And it was fine. When I went from quiet kid in the United States to Germany, I was the funny kid. I was loud. Everybody like even the teachers, the strict German teachers were like, 
this is our American cowboy. I mean, I was just a wild child, and it <laughs> felt amazing. And I'm not saying you have to go off the deep end like I did. I just kind of went over with it, and I, I was in a different country. You can switch schools, and nobody has to know that you went to Canada from Korea, didn't speak English, and didn't have any friends at your old school. Nobody's going to care anyway. Uh, another option that your parents may not love, you could study abroad. You could go to another place uh, and learn another language if you want. You could go back to Korea um, if you want. Maybe that's not in your in your in your plan right now. You go to the states. You could go to France. I mean, the world is your oyster. You're a senior in high school and you're a good student. You can literally do anything you want. What's stopping you right now is, well, probably your parents um, at some level. But if you frame it as an academic opportunity, and I'm not trying to stereotype the Asians, but I'm married to one, if you frame it as an academic opportunity, they may be more amenable to this. If you need help figuring out how to do that, you can email me. Trust me, I'm a pro at trying to tell your parents why you need to travel and live somewhere else (laughs) for your own good. Uh, The other idea that I had that's a little bit less of a crazy commitment, online communities with an in-real-life element. And Jason, I was hoping for your help with this because I can't name one, but I know there's a ton of online communities where people meet up all the time, like role-playing games and board stuff games. like that. Board, board games. games are the new thing that everybody I know does. It, you can definitely get into board game communities and then find like a board game store in your neighborhood. There's one down the street for me, and every Friday night there's like a like 30 or 40 people that just meet up there and play board games. That's one of the the hip new things that the kids do these days, I guess, which is really funny that it's gone back to board games. Playing but, the Pop-O-Matic Bubble. Remember that game, yeah, Trouble? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I, I used to love Sorry. Remember that game? Yep, I did. Oh, man. I Solid. never liked Parcheesi, though. That was the one I never no, liked. No, and I hate the, the game of life was so lame. I don't I know loved, why everybody liked it. I loved it. I loved See, that game. Why? I to fill up my car. Now I know what yeah. it means to fill up your car with annoying kids, and I definitely don't want that, but I was no. good at the game. I was good at the game of life. Maybe not so much life, but the game the of t- life, I rock time, that. <laughs> Jason, the time for filling up your car with kids <laughs> is I would say that, that train has sailed, my friend. Yes, yes. Thank, thankfully has sailed. <laughs> I've gone through menopause, so it's yes, over. <laughs> indeed. But yeah, I definitely like look for you know components that... Don't really have that much school component, but it'll still give you friends that maybe might translate over. And listen to what these people are talking about. You're obviously listening to their discussion, so maybe there's something that you can do some research on and then have something ready, like, in your pocket when they start talking about that topic again that you can just toss something out, you know? do Be, be a spy. Do some do some Jane Bond <laughs> here, you know? Some Mau Mau Bond. Yeah. Nice, I like it. All right, next up. Hi, Jordan. I want to start off with some background and then ask you a couple of questions. Good, because this is Fan Mail Friday, where we yeah, I was questions. just going to say, thanks for <laughs> outlining your email. Appreciate that. I come from a very religious family, and I'm close with my parents and all my siblings. All of my family is very active in the church I attend, and all of my close friends since high school have also been members of the same church. For college, I attended a school affiliated with my church, so all my friends from college are also members of the same church. I see a, I see a pattern here. Yes. After graduating college, I moved back home to work with my dad in the family business. The business is small. Only five people work there, including myself and my dad. But we're profitable, and I enjoy working there. My dad's plan is to retire probably within the next five to seven years to focus on church service. When he retires, the plan is that I would take over the family business. I also currently live with my parents to save money, and for the most part, I like living with them and have a great relationship with them. 
For a long time now, I haven't really wanted to go to church or be very involved with it, but I'm not sure the best way to proceed because all my family and friends are so connected with the church. I think the church does a lot of good and helps lots of people, but it's just not for me anymore. What do you think is the best way to handle this situation without making the work situation with my dad weird and without harming relationships with friends and family? I recognize that there will have to be some changes in the relationships, though. My other question is, where would be the best place to meet other young people who don't like to drink and party and are focused on bettering themselves and helping others? Orange County, for one. How can I meet people that share similar values to me that I would want to hang out with? Thank you for your awesome podcast, Spiritual But Not Religious. This is an interesting one for me because I feel like we get a ton of questions about people leaving churches. Yeah, we do. But in this one, there's a definitive tie. In other ones, it's also, there's a lot of like, well, I'm worried about my parents, but, you know, should I separate? There's a definitive tie between him and his dad. He works there. He gets along with everybody. There's not like... There's not the surrounding issues in the ecosystem where the ties are coming apart. This is just a belief system thing. Yeah. Seemingly. So I'm going to echo the above advice in many ways where you create other networks through activities, through uh, friendships, activities, skills, classes, etc. Because right now, since your network, spiritual but not religious, is so enmeshed in the church thing, which actually, and I won't accuse your church of this, but this is done deliberately in a lot of organizations, you're going to feel isolated if you leave and everyone says, oh, well, we can't talk to you anymore. You're going to feel terrible, and it might bring you back to a situation that you don't like just for social contact. And again, I'm not saying your church is going to do this. I'm not saying they've set it up this way on purpose. I am saying it could be a consequence of what's going on here. There, so is, a, there would, is a precedent for this type of thing, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Now, joining networks, joining activities is great, but again, sounds a little trite, so I'm going to go take it one step further here. Something service-focused would be really good. Charities, teaching, dealing with kids, dealing with, I don't know, the homeless, dealing with a specific cause. This often draws people with a bigger sense of purpose, dare I say it, maybe a little bit more heart, uh, unlike, say, a kickball team, which is a lot of fun, but also usually includes getting tanked. Which is what Jason and I are doing right now without the kickball. <laughs> so I, I think we all know which ones we would pick. But there's a lot of ways to get a better match instead of just doing a crapshoot thing for you here. And also, man, have a heart to heart with the parents. You might want to approach one parent at a time or begin with a trusted sibling or a trusted friend. And this is delicate, right? Because as we mentioned before, and as you mentioned before, your entire life is really just, it's wrapped up in this. Your work life, your home life, your friend's life, your social life, your school life, everything academic. Yeah, and especially since his dad is going to leave the business to focus yeah. on the church. So, you know, and maybe there's got to be at least somebody who's done this so far. Because if this thing has been in your entire life, there has to be at least one or two people that have walked away from the church at this point. So maybe seek them out. And get some, you know, some advice from them on how they did it and what happened and maybe what went wrong that you can ask them about so you can mitigate those, you know, those consequences when it happens to you. And also, since you said the church does a lot of really good stuff, maybe just focus on those types of things. You know, if there are charities that the church is uh, involved in. Just focus on that and just kind of do like a French exit on the going to services kind of thing. You know, just kind of just stop going and see if anybody notices at first. And then maybe you can wean yourself out of the 
the day-to-day that way. But uh, yeah, definitely look at the good stuff the church does. And if you want to be involved in that, do that. And that'll give you at least a toe in so you're not just walking away from the church. And that'll give you like at least a compromise with the family to start with. And then at some point down the line, then maybe completely extricate yourself if that's what you really want to do. It's important to highlight, and you sort of touched on this, there's no need to make that clean break. That could really cause issues. A lot of people and a lot of the other advice we've given on the show is like, you're going to have to move and you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to tell them this and this. you got to be careful with this one. It's a different situation because, like you mentioned, Jason, you really highlighted the fact that his dad was leaving work with him to go focus on the church. So if you really poke this, and I don't mean poke it as in leaving. I mean if you make them feel less than or you reject them somehow by rejecting the church, that's just going to be a whole shitstorm. So what you want to do is make this not about them, not about the church, but more about you. You're exploring. Hey, maybe you'll come back later because really you don't know, right? So don't leave them with no hope in this respect, but be firm in your beliefs. Otherwise, you're just kind of dangling a carrot that's not there. But talking with people and remaining firm in your own position and preferences without the need to be right or convince the other people that you're right and that it's, you know, it's not for you and it's not for them. Don't convince them of anything. Just communicate. And you don't have to do it with everybody in a big room. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You can approach people who matter individually and then ask them for advice. Here's another little trick. I mean, it's a little tricky, but I think it, it's fair here. If you approach a a sibling or your mom is maybe more amenable than your dad, ask them for advice on how to break this to your parents or your dad. Because then, instead of saying, so this is what I'm doing, and then moving on to the next person, if you ask them for advice, they kind of have to make a choice, right? And that choice is 99% of the time going to be, well, I disagree with this, but what I would do is this and this and this, or maybe I can help this way. You're pulling the Benjamin Franklin effect kind of. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On them here. And they might be more willing to join your team if you enroll them in helping you with this problem instead of just telling them, I don't believe in all that stuff anymore. Peace. Hopefully we're still friends. You know, if you get them to give you advice, you're going to end up with a team and a team might be the way to go on this. I really like that. That's a really good bit. Yeah. Yeah, that just occurred to me. That's like, I'm I'm in the in real time thinking about that because anytime you have a real tricky thing like that where you need to get one person at a time on your side, having them help you with it by asking for advice, you're being outright vulnerable instead of saying, "Hey, all this church stuff is bunk. I'm out." Yeah, screw right? Jesus. I'm out. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> exactly. I know the people just drop the sacrament right now, you out the back. <laughs> but it's it's true though, right? If you're like, "Look, this is really hard. I don't want to hurt my parents," then you're communicating very strongly look, I'm not doing this just because I you know, I have daddy issues, right? I'm doing this because I'm having a crisis of faith and belief and I need help. And some people are going to go, oh my God, we need to get you to the, pa- the priest right now or the <laughs> pastor right now, and that's not going to be the solution. Other people are going to go, oh man, okay, I feel your pain. This is really tough. I'd love it if you came back, but what I would do is this, or I'll talk to your dad, or you know, let me be there when you talk to your dad so he doesn't go ballistic on you. There's a lot of people that will want to help you with this. And who knows? People might have gone, yep, yeah, saw that coming. It might be not yeah. nearly as big of a deal as you think. It, it's really hard to say. And you also might find some compatriots who are just like, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I'm just doing this because my dad goes every week, too. Or my mom's yeah. going to go, you know. It's like, we just go out of habit. We don't really care for the service. We just do it because it's community. And that's a lot of church around, especially in the Midwest here. I know a lot of people who are atheists like myself who still go to church because it's a community thing and they don't believe, but they still go and hang out. So you might find some, you know, some undercover atheists in your in your research. All right. Next up. Dear Jordan, for some time I've had terrible eye contact, and now that I'm consciously working to improve said eye contact by making eye contact with people I pass on the street, I've run into a particular problem. Whenever I make prolonged eye contact with someone in passing, I always manage to scrunch up my face into a what-the-f-are-you-looking-at sort of face if I hold eye contact for too long. This happens more so with women than with men, even if I find them attractive. 
which you could understand would be quite frustrating for me. For some reason, prolonged eye contact always becomes adversarial for me. How do I get over this facial issue? Maybe it's something subconscious, but what do I need to do to get a handle on this? Best wishes, Mr. Angry Eyes. Well, this is a problem that is this hits close to home for me as well. It's fun. It's funny and a little bit scary that half the time when people write in, I'm like, I've had this problem. Oh, I've had, oh wait, I've had this problem. Like, am I just falling apart or are these universal problems that a lot of people have? That's the question. I think these are universal problems because, okay. yeah, it, the, eye contact is a tough one to get past for sure. I mean, granted, this is, I'm thinking 20 years ago for me, but still, yeah. right? I mean, for God's sake. Okay, anyway. I think this is normal, again, because it's anxiety showing up in the body. This is you're maybe nervous, you've got a little bit of social anxiety or just regular generalized anxiety, or you're a little bit introverted and it takes you a while to warm up. There's a million reasons this can happen, none of which really point to you having any kind of issue. And when you make prolonged eye contact with someone in passing, you said you scrunch up your face into what the hell are you looking at face. I get it. The reason you're doing that is because you don't know what else to do. I understand that. And the fact that you said it happens more so with women than men, even if I find them attractive, I assume that... Oh, wait. Is this a... Oh, yeah, it is a guy. Okay. This happens more so with women than men, even if you find the women attractive, I assume, is what you meant. If I'm wrong, correct me, because the way that it's written, it sounds like you're talking about finding the men attractive, which is possible. Um, The reason you're doing it with women that you find attractive more, by my reading of this, is because that causes a little bit more anxiety. So, of course, it's frustrating for you. Um, and actually, it doesn't matter if you find men or women attractive now that I've reread it again. But it's <laughs> it's true. It, it, it will cause anxiety because you're looking like, oh, I want to make a certain impression. The agenda crops up. The attraction agenda crops up. And then, boom, there we go. We got to figure this out. So, smizing will fix this. Uh, eye contact drill will fix this. Smizing is in the Art of Charm Challenge, so I don't want to go over it here. But you can find that at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. It's a later challenge, but whatever. The whole challenge will help you. The other thing is the eye contact drill that we used to give a lot of boot camp. Now I've talked about it on the show a bunch. I think it's also part of boot camp, but it's it's in the prep because it's so elementary. The eye contact drill is this. It's one of many, but it goes a little goes a little something like this. Basically, the amount of eye contact that is appropriate is something that it's hard for us to figure out. It's not necessarily intuitive for a lot of us. So, the way that we like to start off people with this is look, if you Look at people long enough to notice their eye color. That's just long enough for you to comfortably look away without issue. Don't look down at your shoes for the rest of the conversation or whatever. But if you notice their eye color, you can note it. It'll keep you from thinking about, oh, my God, I got to make sure that she thinks I'm smiling at her. Like, it'll get rid of that crap in your head, that sort of dialogue. You'll notice, you'll go, oh, green. And then you can just smize which, again, is in the challenge, and you'll be good to go. This is something that's going to take daily practice. It's not like, oh, if all I, all I need to do is smize and notice their eye color. If it were that quick, uh, we'd be having this conversation on my yacht. But <laughs> if you practice this every single day, you're not going to have any issues with this within a few short weeks or months. It's really going to help. The anxiety stuff might crop up later in other ways if you don't address it, which is something we talk about a lot here on the show. I suggest also listening to the Lynn Lyons episode. We'll link to it in the show notes here as well. That was also about anxiety, looking at anxiety in different ways. However, the eye contact drill and the smizing concept, these little hacks, will help you get over this hurdle so you can face the next. 
I love that we talk about surmising because that comes from America's Next Top Model. That's mm-hmm. where, that's where the concept originally this comes from. This is a freaking like Tyra Banks concept. It's a Tyra it's Banks. Yeah, yeah, and I totally thought, legit. I I love America's Next Top. Well, I used to before it went to went to pot, but man, that was a great show, and she had a lot of good tips for things like that. So check this out. My nerd, one of my nerdiest friends in high school, he had this sister who was on that show. No way. And I remember. <laughs> I remember I met her, you know, we went to middle school together and then high school together. And I remember seeing her when she was probably like 11. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in law school or whenever the show was out. I can't, it might even been later. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. She, she's got a very unique name. So I immediately was like, wait a second. That's my friend's <laughs> sister. So I, I obviously called him and he's like, yeah, no doubt. That's her. And I thought, Wow. A far cry from a girl who used to throw Legos at me when I would come over. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's a, it's amazing how those girls grow up so fast. Could have been a better story. <laughs> I need to keep drinking this this uh, this mediocre at best beer, and let's keep going with the questions. Greetings, Art of Charmers. I've listened to your podcast for a few years now, and it's helped me transform from an unconfident and shy individual to a high-energy individual ready to meet everyone. Except that is when I'm at work behind an espresso machine. I spent almost a decade in the U.S. Army and have had professionalism pummeled into my brain. So when I see an attractive customer that I would like to get to know better, I can't seem to get over that super thin line of being professional and being a barista. As the barista customer relation is something that I don't want to ever step over and hit on my customers. I've seen advice along the lines of don't charge them for drinks or hover around them in the lobby to get more of a chance to talk to them. I see it and it makes sense. However, I can't seem to bring myself to putting strain on that barista customer relationship. I moved to the Seattle area for the coffee and find it's the only warm thing I get to hold. Any advice would be super (laughs) helpful and illuminating. Thank you. Signed, The Loneliest Latte. I got to tell you, first of all, Loneliest Latte, props on the name. Second of all, Saying the coffee is the only warm thing you get to hold. I feel like you get a, like a literary points for you get, this. Definitely get, you, get, you get points. Definitely, you get, get points. yeah. You get some. You get some uh, Mark Twain points. I don't want to belittle your profession here, but the client barista relationship is not something that is enshrined in any kind of uh, in the barista code that you had to sign in blood when you signed up for the job look maybe there is that you know maybe starbucks is like hey look we're you have to donate a kidney and we're going to keep it on ice here behind the counter and if you hit on a customer you don't get it back maybe that's part of it but i'll tell you and again in all seriousness i appreciate that because it is totally unprofessional if you've never seen someone before, you find them attractive, it's definitely inappropriate to hit on them. And it's it, frankly, it's bad for business. If this is your business or someone else's business that you actually care about, it, that, that is not, that is in poor taste. However, no pun if you intended. go, yeah, it is, yeah, it's a little bitter with notes mm. of, of walnut. But if you go back to the toolbox, and unfortunately, this is a really old episode, so it's a little cheese ball. But you go back to banter. There's some flirting episodes there. We can link to the toolbox in the show notes. It's uh, at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. Anyway, you can find the banter. If you banter and you ask non-invasive questions and develop a little rapport after the banter, not just instead of, you talk to them while you're making the coffee. You can continue a conversation that you had with them from the last time they came in. Make them regulars. 
then you'll know there's something else there eventually or not. And then you can get their contact info. Easy peasy, baby. And then you can turn it into something else. But a greater issue here that I just want to just want to ask a little rhetorical question here. Why are you so focused on meeting women at work? There's plenty of places to meet women. Why are you trying to do it at work? This is asking for trouble in many ways. You can do it elsewhere. If you've got the skills that you're learning here on the show from the toolbox, you can meet people anywhere. I get that you're at work a lot, so it's very convenient. However, uh, do you really want to do that? Dude, they're delivered on a platter to them. That's why. Yeah, (laughs) but look at the downside, right? Oh, I met this girl. She's really great. Oh, man, we dated for a while. Now she comes in all the time, and now she's giving me the stink eye. Or, oh, I did something shitty. Now she's giving, you know... It's coming back to me at work, blah, blah, blah. Or there's a million things that can go wrong. I get that they're delivered on a platter. Here's what I would do. (laughs) Banter, continue conversations, make friends with them. One, totally not appropriate. Two, easier. Three, the consequences of you making friends with them are generally positive. Some of them might like you, sure. But generally, you're going to make friends, and then they're going to introduce you to their friends. What's the worst that could happen? It's not. It's so much. Trust me, this is so much better for you. Than trying to hit on your customers. Yeah, get to the point where they ask you out. Say, hey, there you go. Can I can I can I buy you a latte, baby? You know? Yeah, leave out the baby <laughs> and the weird twang and you got something. <laughs> it's been a long day. And I used to it's go It's almost to... like you've never heard the show, Jason. Sometimes uh, I, I wonder. I know. I just work here. That's all I do. I read stuff and that's it. But I used to go to Intelligentsia all the time and all of the baristas there were dating half of the clientele. It was ridiculous. So you know, I know you shouldn't, you, sh- you know, as they say, don't uh, poop where you eat. I get that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a good. Don't uh, dip. Don't dip your pen in the company espresso. <laughs> that was a crappy pun. All right. Next up. <laughs> Dear AOC, I've been a vegetarian for more than six years. So far, I've avoided talking about it whenever possible because it's so easy to come off as condescending. And because guys my age, about 30 and older, often don't take it seriously. Usually it goes like this. People realize that I avoid animal products and ask me about it. I then tell them that I'm a vegetarian and then they ask why. I briefly state that there are various reasons like health benefits or environmental concerns. Then they either laugh at it, that's usually the older men, or they feel the need to convince me that they are good people. They tell me that they only buy the expensive meat and what else it is they do to make the world a better place. I don't want to shy away from the subject and I want to be able to express this aspect of myself more clearly. But I don't want to come off as condescending or make people feel like they have to defend themselves. How can I communicate this effectively? Plant-based regards from Belgium. Ben. Nice. Well, look. That's weird. It's almost like the culture just feels so much guilt. I'm not a vegetarian. (laughs) I eat animals. But, you know, I donate to Children International, so... I'm, it's fine. I, I volunteer at the Red Cross. Who cares? The <laughs> yeah. dietary preference. I understand, though, that people have a sense of guilt because they kind of know, like, oh, yeah, I do kill the living things and then eat them. But f- I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would justify this. But that must be a cultural thing over there. Or maybe it's the people he's around. What I would say is when you're delivering something that is going to put people on the defense, what you do, what I recommend you do is self-deprecate a little bit. So you can say something like, uh, I'm a vegetarian, and they go, oh, why? And instead of saying, well, people who eat meat screw the environment, and they slaughter innocent animals that are cute and deserve petting, it makes people feel bad. But if you say, I'm a vegetarian because, you know, uh, health reasons, environmental reasons, and look, how can I be a card-carrying 
Belgian hipster if I'm not a vegetarian, right? And then laugh and deflect and change the subject. And people who want to talk about it will talk about it. And most people will go, huh, you got me there, Ben. And they'll just move on to the next thing. And they won't talk about how they donated to the Red Cross three years in a row and how they're really thinking about adopting an animal from the Humane Society. They, they just won't care, won't matter. You can go into it if needed, but I think self-deprecation will disarm a lot of that. And for me, when somebody says something like, oh, I'm a vegetarian, for me, I'm, not, I'm just not worried about it. If they try to preach to me, that's another thing. I'll actually get annoyed about that. But if I sense somebody feeling guilty about anything that I do, like uh, here, here's something that came up recently. Somebody asked me about investing, and another person in the group that we were talking with was saying, well, you know, I don't really do that stuff yet. And I said, yeah, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a nerdy thing. But a lot of us like me, we were ingrained with our dads beating it into us that we needed to start early. Can I ask why you don't invest? And he said, well, you know, I have some consumer debt. My wife has student loans that we're still paying off instead of making him feel guilty about not doing it. I offered help when the time is right and no unsolicited advice whatsoever and no judgment whatsoever. And it doesn't sound like you're judging, Ben, but it sounds like people are judging themselves. And if you self-deprecate, it should short-circuit that, at least a little bit. What do you think, Jason? Now, I'm wondering if he's vegan or vegetarian, because he just says vegetarian. There's a there's a big dividing line between the vegans and vegetarians, because the vegans generally come off as, like, the vegan army. And I can see where you would get that stigma if you mentioned that type of lifestyle versus just yeah. saying I'm vegetarian because then you're just lumped into this vegan group and then it's just like oh god here it comes you know um, I appreciate though that he's not lying he's not like oh I'm allergic uh, health concerns because I don't digest it well he's just like yeah. look no it's bad for the environment and it's bad for you yeah Enjoy no I totally stage. get that I was just wondering if there is that that subtle difference why he's so scared to talk about it and why he thinks people come back at these with these different things and it might be a Belgian thing too because here, if somebody tells me they're a vegetarian, I'm like, okay, well, we're not going to, you know, the Argentine steakhouse tonight. We'll go someplace where you can get food. The vegans are a different breed, and it's much harder to hang out with vegans just because of these the restrictions down to, you know, exactly what they can eat. Um, but vegetarians, generally, it's it's not a big deal. I don't run into vegetarians who have that kind of problem. That's why I'm just wondering why this is such a, a big thing for him. And he could also just say... Yeah, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm not like those other guys. Don't worry about it. Let's go get some fries or something. You know? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, but don't worry about it. I'm not secretly judging you, or am I? Right? Something <laughs> funny like that will totally disarm the whole thing. Exactly. And uh, I'll tell you right now, the vegan vegetarian thing. I don't want to get ten thousand emails about this, so you know, don't warm up your iPhone just yet. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I'm, I stopped eating a lot of meat stuff, and I'm not. Not because I watched some documentary about it, but just because I was like, eh, you know, I kind of like the eggplant more than the chicken. It's got more flavor. And then I decided to cut down on it a little bit because a friend of mine told me that when he runs, he feels a lot better without any meaning. And other people are saying, oh, I'm working later. And I thought, I'll give it a shot for the sake of productivity. I cut way down on it. I cut way down even more and then again and then again and then again. And honestly, I don't miss it. And then a friend of mine sent us a bunch of vegan food, which generally is an annoying thing to do to <laughs> someone. But uh, they did it, and I liked it all, and then Jenny really liked it, and we started eating a bunch of different vegan stuff all the time, and w we went on a trip where we were at a place where we just didn't trust the meat, I'll leave it at that, and we started eating at vegan stuff, and I honestly don't miss meat at all. I'm not saying cut it out of your diet entirely, because there's 
some evidence to show that that's not a great idea, but for people who think, I could just never cut down on red meat or chicken or that, try it if you want to. You will probably not miss it at all. Yeah, and as you're getting older, because Jordan, you're finally starting to catch up with me. As you, as <laughs> as a male it. who gets older, you want to cut out red meat because it's bad for the bum, as they say. Your colon, That's what they your say, colon will thank you a lot. I've noticed that as I get older, when I have any kind of red meat the next day, I'm I'm just wasted. It's like my body is having such a hard time processing it. So I've cut it out myself. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I heard people go, oh, I'm just a lot less tired. And I thought, this is BS. It's all psychological. No, it's true. I'll tell dude, you, man, I get in fucking food coma just right. If I eat enough meat, it's over. But if I have a bunch of vegetables, not only I just feel a million times better. Some of it is definitely placebo, but who cares? Yeah. And, who cares? and I recommend everybody go listen to the Daria Rose episode we did. I follow her, like, you know, her real food kind of uh, regime a lot. And because I'm I'm a veggie guy for the most part, but I still eat fish and I still eat chicken. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, this has gone gone off on a, a way wrong tangent here. But uh, I I prefer being more plant based than uh, meat based for sure. But I'm not going to tell anybody what they should do. So you know, if any if I go someplace and I just want to have veggies for the night, which I sometimes do, I don't say anything about it. I just eat what I eat and let it be. That was a tangent I didn't plan on going on. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, left turn at Veggie Town. Jesus. All right. Well, yeah, right turn at Jesus Town, left turn at Veggie Town. This was a hell of an episode, I'll tell you that. I look, if you like this more because we had a couple, definitely let us know because I'll tell you, this is fun. And I know it's, it's later where you are, fun, Jason, yeah. but this is fun. And and this is something that we talked about before, like, man, I would love to do a show where we just drink. We could just do that on Fan Mail Friday. I'm just saying. <laughs> Can't do it every time because that's too much alcohol. But occasionally here and there, not bad. I just need, a, th- I need a booze stipend on my Amex. <laughs> that's all. And we'll talk about it. But if you thought this was terrible because we're being jagoffs right now, then let us know that, too, because I don't want to bring the show quality down just for the sake of my own entertainment and that of Jason, for that matter. Documentary of the week, Jason. I just watched this. You're the one who suggested it, though. What are we talking about here? We're talking about banking on Bitcoin. I really, because you've been talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies a lot, and this just came up on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, I believe, and I watched it uh, like a week and a half ago, and it was a really good primer on what Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is for the layperson. And I knew a lot about it, and this just filled in a lot of gaps for me of my, my you know, crypto knowledge that I didn't have. And I, I thought it was a, a good little movie. I really did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I watched it, and I'll tell you what. It's loaded with inaccuracies only, well, maybe not only, in large part because it was made a year ago, which in cryptocurrency time is like a decade. Oh, yeah, wow. Right now, they're like, oh, th- there was a headline that showed up there where it was like the pizza, because the first thing that was ever bought with Bitcoin, I think, th- of record was like a pizza. Yeah, Somebody pizza. from the UK, right? And they're like, the pizza transaction that costs $7 million. That is a $16 million pizza as of this week. Yeah. Well, it just went so, down 8% because of China, so. Yeah, it's already recovering, though. But I'll tell you what, they're they're also talking about, oh, these things are insecure. Look at this exchange got hacked. It it turns out that it's very unlikely that it got hacked. It's much more likely that the guy running it went, wait, you mean I can just take everyone's money and no one will ever find it? Yeah, a lot of of those exchanges have uh, uh, basically founder theft. Like the guys who wrote it basically walked off with it. But there is a lot of exchanges that are just really poorly coded 
because these this is such a new area that's coming out with all of these uh, initial coin offerings that are coming out that these guys just don't really have all the skills. But the Mount Gox one was definitely the guy just walked off with the cash. Yeah. And there's a bunch of exchanges that have closed uh, exchanges being like where you put your money and then you trade. But you can I'm not going to get into the whole crypto thing. You can yeah. secure your money well if you want to. But they were like, oh, it's hacked. It's this you're. You're much more you are more likely to get hacked than an exchange, but an exchange could steal your money if you leave it in there. But an exchange is like leaving a pile of money on your friend's kitchen table instead of in a safe. People think it's like online banking, but it's not. No, it's yeah. actually very, very much not that. Uh, it just looks like it because it's a similar interface, but it has nothing to do with that. But anyway, the documentary Banking on Bitcoin, if you have no idea about Bitcoin, it's a it's an okay primer. I wouldn't say it's an amazing introduction to the blockchain by any stretch. Yeah, but it's, it's a, uh, I think it's a good starting point. And then you can go from there. It'll it'll get you like the basics down, you know, and just just the, yeah. his, the history of it. Who's Satoshi Nakamura or whatever, you know, and just, just I liked it. I liked it. And yes, I, there were definitely some inaccuracies, but. You know, it's no Whopper coin, so... That's true. I'm actually, Jason, I'm going to send you the top 10 cryptocurrency resources for non-technical people. It's an article written by my friend, who uh, Tyler Pearson. He is uh, yeah, he's a sharp dude. I really like him. These are really good articles that I've been sending to a lot of people to get interested in cryptocurrency to or to figure out what the hell it is in the first place. It's a lot of studying, but I'm telling you, two Saturdays and you're done. However... I don't know, Jason, how you feel about this. Cryptocurrency for me, this is, and I could be overstating this, but I don't think so, this is as big as the internet was in the 90s. Not big as in how many people are on it. This technology is almost as important as the internet itself in terms of what it will be eventually able to do. And I'm not talking about currency at all. I'm talking about blockchain technology but on the on that same token, we're also looking at a dot com bubble times possibly ten because the common man can get in with his dollar. So don't read this stuff and then think I'm going to do day trading for cryptocurrency. You will get screwed. But you should learn about this tech. This is not going anywhere. This is yeah. not a bubble. I mean, it's a bubble in the financial sense, but it's not a it's not a fad at all. No, I see, I see the the possibility to change the world with it. But the the issue I have with with the blockchain is time for transaction because if every transaction is recorded that has to take time and even in the in the movie they talk about like you can do 25,000 mastercard transactions per second and you can do like 16 bitcoin transactions per second or something some ridiculously no, no low number because everything is being distributed so they have to fix that problem and it, there are a bunch of yeah. smart guys trying to figure that out they will. I mean, they'll fix that problem and more. I mean, there's all kinds of amazing things from medical to tr gaming being thrown on the blockchain. It's it's the 90s dot com in that people are going, OK, it's like you can make your own bottles on the Internet. I mean, there's all <laughs> kinds of crap that's never going to work. But the stuff that will work is often the stuff that seems like this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how it's inside my phone. I don't care about that. Yeah. That's going to be the thing where it's like, holy cow, how did we not realize that that was the next biggest thing? So there's a lot here, and if you want to learn about what your future communication and the future of technology is going to look like, study this stuff. Don't invest in it 
per se in the way that other people think this, they're going to make money on here, you will you will just you'll cry. But learn about it. Don't, <laughs> don't ignore it. It's like ignoring the internet early on. You're just going to eventually have to learn it, and you're going to be behind the curve. Yeah, don't be a, a Winklevoss twin and spend all your money on it. Yeah, well, th- those guys are doing all right. I don't feel too bad for them. Yeah, true. All right, that that article will be linked in the show notes as well. I hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. We keep everyone anonymous. You can make up your own funny name or we can do it, and you get some Mark Twain points while you're at it. Uh, if it's feedback for the show, fans of strong opinions, loosely held especially, and we love to talk about this stuff, and we love to argue like we're right but listen like we're wrong, so don't be shy. Hit us up over here, and if you have your own advice, for some of the people you've heard from today, let me know if it's something that can help everyone. I may read it on the show. A link to the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF132. Quick shout-outs to Aaron D. He was. Remember when we talked about how it's expensive to be homeless? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the guys that told me that it was expensive to be homeless. And he's like, don't live in your car. It's 15 bucks to take a shower. You think it's cheap. It's not. Yeah. He's still, he's still rocking out. He was shocked. That oh, we no. remembered him. Yeah. Oh, is he okay? No, he was shocked that we remembered him. He was just stoked. He still listens to the show. Oh, I thought you said he was shot. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, he got shot in his car? Oh, no. <laughs> no, he didn't get shot. He was shocked <laughs> to hear us mention him. Oh, my God. Oh, you gave, keep... you gave me a heart attack there. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, no. We, we, we got a shot fan. And then Amal in Djibouti... He uh, does something that he can't really talk about with special forces, which is what everybody does in Djibouti, unless you're Djiboutian, in which case you, I don't know. <laughs> this is going to sound awful, but you probably tend goats or something. I don't know. I don't know, but it's talk. always just fun to say Djibouti. Djibouti. Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit me up. We'll shout you out. Love to hear from you either way. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Charm. Great way to engage with the show. Jason, you don't you don't use any forms of social media by chance, do you? Well, I I might be on the Twitter. I might be on there at JP Def. That's J P D E F. And I also have the the podcast Grumpy Old Geeks every Mondays. You can check that out at gog.show and uh, figure out how to subscribe. And last week, it's funny we were actually talking about the cryptocurrency Whopper Coin, which Burger King uh, released in Russia, which is oh, very it's funny. real. I thought you were just farting around. I was like, that's a really good name for a shitty coin burger king released a cryptocurrency in russia called whopper coin yep it's it's a real thing i'll send you some Barf. links for it we'll put it in the show notes it's it's pretty pretty cool that's so silly but not bad marketing yeah really it's, it's not and it if you buy be if one you, of the if you buy seven whoppers you get one for free if with your whopper coin can you spend it only you can spend it at burger on, king or on what? whoppers yep Oh my god! But it's not real crypto. It's probably just like a stupid card on your an app. Nope it's a something. it was a real ICO. You're kidding! I'm not oh kidding you. In the I least. not hear about this. Jeez, <laughs> you gotta listen don't to grumpy for- old geeks, man. I'm telling you. Don't forget about the art of charm challenge. We're gonna. I just can't. I can't after Whopper Coin. Don't forget about the art of charm challenge. Text AOC. That's the letters AOC to 38470 in the States. If you're not or whatever, you don't care about texting, you don't like texting, you're unable to text, go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. We're taking you through the networking steps, how to create networking skill sets, become a better relationship builder step by step. We're going to take you through a lot of different drills and exercises to increase your social capital, your charisma. It's for both guys and gals. So check that out. It's free. The whole point is to get forward momentum on this stuff. Text AOC to 38470 or go to com slash challenge. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including 
No drum roll, please. Info on our live residential boot camps that we run every single week in L.A. If you really want to dig into a lot of this stuff, the body language, the persuasion, influence, work on these AOC skills with us as your coaches, go to theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. We accept cryptocurrencies, I'm compelled to tell you, uh, because that is the thing these days. Now, stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them.